Here we are, it is Monday morning, and President Obama has explained to us all how he's about to defeat ISIS. We will go through all of that, plus a very special Christmas episode of Stuff I Hate. I'm Ben Shapiro, this is The Ben Shapiro Show. Okay, so President Obama is, uh, he, he, he's somebody who, it's questionable, uh, there, there was a question that I had going in about whether the President of the United States was going to announce that he was a dictator or whether he was going to announce that he was a lame duck. That was sort of the question going into President Obama's speech. And I had a conversation with, uh, with Jeremy, who's the managing editor over at Daily Wire. We were talking about this yesterday. President Obama had announced yesterday that he was going to do his speech, and it was mainly going to concern gun control. CBS News billed it as an urgent appeal for gun control. And Jeremy and I were wondering, just like everybody else, what exactly is this going to be? Is President Obama going to come out and announce some sort of broad executive action banning guns? Is he going to dare Congress to stop him? Is he going to dare Congress to impeach him or shut down the government? Is he going to dare the Supreme Court to stop him? Or is President Obama going to do something more moderate? And what's to stop him from doing something truly extreme? After all, the president has gone out of his way just through executive action to legitimize millions and millions of illegal immigrants. The president has gone out of his way with executive action to push forward an Iran nuclear deal that is the worst in American history. So what exactly would stop him from taking executive action on guns if that's what he wanted to do? And if he were really nefarious about it and wanted to grab guns, if he tried to grab guns and he sent federal agents in to grab guns, he would know that that would cause conflict at the state and local level, that there might be people who would resist in armed fashion. And if that happened, wouldn't the president take advantage of that and call for for broader powers for himself. I mean, this is all dark conspiratorial stuff, of course. This is what President Obama has sort of brought people to because he's gone so far in his exercise, his, his abuse, really, of executive authority. So last night, we really didn't know what to expect. President Obama was supposed to break into Sunday Night Football and give this speech about ISIS and terrorism in the aftermath of the San Bernardino terror attacks that happened last week. And we now know, of course, that these are terror attacks, that the two people who, who did this, Syed Farouk and Tashfin Malik, this delightful married couple who we desperately needed in the United States, you know, to, to enrich our culture and make multiculturalism and diversity more of a, uh, more of a rich and, and deep undertone to American life. These people went on a shooting spree. They killed 14 people. They'd set pipe bombs in their apartment to kill people. If people went to their apartment, they put pipe bombs in their car. And now the FBI are questioning whether her mom, whether his mom knew about it, whether, whether, Family members knew all this was going on. Anyway, we now know this was a terrorist attack. Uh, Tashfin Malika came out last week, had posted to Facebook her allegiance to al-Baghdadi of ISIS, and, uh, and so it was pretty clear what was happening. Well, President Obama, he, he decided that he was going to break into Sunday Night Football, which is, of course, sacred television time for the American people, to talk about what he was going to do with ISIS. And as I said, it was questionable as to whether he was going to push forward a very ambitious executive agenda, just say he was going to do stuff and then wait for the chips to fall where they may, or whether the president of the United States was going to mule and whine. And given the opportunity, the president muled and whined. And that was basically the, the short form of President Obama's speech. It broke down into three sections, and we'll go through all of this. It broke down into the, no, really, I'm doing an awesome job, guys, segment. That was kind of part one of President Obama's speech. Don't worry. You shouldn't be too worried. I'm doing a great job. You're all safe. Don't look at the, the terrorism threat behind the curtain. And Obama's been doing this for years, going all the way back to 2011, 2012, when, as we found out last week, President Obama was ignoring all intelligence about the rise of ISIS in order to achieve his magical end of being reelected. So part one of his speech was, everything is fine. Part two of his speech was, if everything 
isn't fine, it's really because of it's really because we need gun control. And then part three was if everything still isn't fine, it's because you're all a bunch of Islamophobes. That was those were the three parts of the speech. I'm awesome. You suck, and we're taking your guns. You suck, and it's because you hate Muslims. Those are really the three parts of the speech. Now we'll go through all of it because there actually were some weird moments in here, some telling moments. But what this really said to me. What this speech really said to me is that Obama has finally acknowledged, even in his own head, that he's a lame duck, which is good. I mean, in that way, it's good for us because, again, the conspiratorially minded were saying, okay, President Obama's going to maximize his executive authority. He's going to dare people to remove him from office. I never thought that Obama would actually do that. But when Obama started to use executive authority in unprecedented ways, it had to at least cross your mind, right? And so yesterday we found out that Obama actually thinks he's a lame duck. And so instead of just declaring executive action on guns, he said he was going to push Congress, which, of course, will come to nothing. He's going to campaign on it and he's going to to push it and he's going to let Hillary Clinton campaign on it, uh, more importantly. So let's start with the president of the United States. It was kind of a weird setup. He was speaking in the Oval Office and, again, breaking into Sunday night football for no reason. If you're going to break into Sunday night football, it better be for something good. Uh, He broke in and basically had nothing to say for 14 minutes. But he was standing in the Oval Office, which is rare. Typically, the, the Oval Office, you're sitting behind the desk in the Oval Office. That's what we're used to seeing. There were some, again, conspiracy theories that Obama wasn't even in the Oval Office, that it was actually just a green screen backdrop because he had to get over to the Kennedy Center Honors Awards. Um, but uh, assuming that he actually was in the, in the Oval Office that has been um, anointed with President Clinton's juices, uh, he was in the Oval Office and, uh, and he started to speak. And, and here's what it sounded like, clip one. Our military and counterterrorism professionals have relentlessly pursued terrorist networks overseas, disrupting safe havens in several different countries, killing Osama bin Laden, and decimating al-Qaeda's leadership. Over the last few years, however, the terrorist threat has evolved into a new phase. As we've become better at preventing complex, multifaceted attacks like 9-11, Terrorists turn to less complicated acts of violence, like the mass shootings that are all too common in our society. It is this type of attack that we saw at Fort Hood in 2009, in Chattanooga earlier this year, and now in San Bernardino. And as groups like ISIL grew stronger amidst the chaos of war in Iraq and then Syria, and as the internet erases the distance between countries, we see growing efforts by terrorists to poison the minds of people like the Boston Marathon bombers and the San Bernardino killers. Now, if you look closely at President Obama in this particular clip, what you can see is that he's really uneasy. This is not confident and and full of himself President Obama. This is really uneasy President Obama. And that's because he's trying desperately to explain why it is we've seen this spate of terrorist attacks on American soil under his watch. I mean, this is the first time that he's openly admitted that what happened in Chattanooga was, in fact, a terrorist attack. This is the first time the president of the United States has openly admitted that what happened in, in, at Fort Hood was a terrorist attack. Remember, it was workplace violence to the extent that the people who were killed in Fort Hood weren't even getting compensated properly. Right? It really is truly amazing. So the president of the United States, there are a couple things here. First, he starts off with the, there's nothing wrong with me, right? I did a great job. I destroyed al-Qaeda, and that's him trying to proclaim to everybody that President Obama is still the guy who's going to defend you. Remember, he ran in 2011-2012 on al-Qaeda is dead, bin Laden is dead, and General Motors is alive. He's trying desperately to prove to everyone that this is still true. And so he's saying, no, 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 I wasn't lying when I said the terrorism and al-Qaeda were dead. I wasn't lying about any of that. 
it's just like it sort of shifted a little bit. Like now it's it's over at ISIS land. Now he knew that ISIS was growing. He just didn't do anything about it. That's that's the lie here. But President Obama is desperately trying to maintain the fiction that he did a great job in his first term on this. Then he says, well, you know, we really got rid of the complex terror attacks, but the, but the kind of low-level terror that we haven't been able to do anything about. Well, that, that's kind of amazing because it seems to me that President Bush sort of was, right? Now, how many of these low-level terrorist attacks did we have in the United States when Bush was in office? I mean, do you remember any? There were a couple. Right? There was the shooting at the El Al counter. There was the, there was the attempt to, to smuggle a bomb into bomb LAX. But in, in terms of a... a a soft target terror attack. This is really a phenomenon of the Obama administration. And it's not that those threats didn't exist before. It's not that Al-Qaeda hadn't discovered those threats. Al-Qaeda used to carry out attacks that were similar to what we've seen from ISIS on a fairly regular basis. What happened is that President Bush understood that the threat went pretty far beyond just we're going to fly planes into buildings and went to soft targets as well. And then finally, President Obama basically says, don't blame me, blame radicalization, blame the internet, right? It's the internet's fault. So it's it's Bush's fault, and it's the Internet's fault. It's, not, it's never his fault. It's the Internet's fault. The Internet radicalized these people. It poisoned their minds. Right? It poisoned their minds. Now, it's funny. Later, he'll talk about what exactly poisoned the minds of these people, and it turns out it wasn't My Little Ponies. It turns out that it had something to do with the religion of peace, but President Obama isn't willing to go there yet. So President Obama continues, and then he is still, he's still in defense mode. Remember, I said part one of this is full-scale defense of President Obama mode by President Obama. He's uneasy, he's uncomfortable, and he's going to prove to you that he was really keeping you safe. Clip two. For seven years, I have confronted this evolving threat each and every morning in my intelligence briefing. And since the day I took this office, I have authorized U.S. forces to take out terrorists abroad precisely because I know how real the danger is. As Commander-in-Chief, I have no greater responsibility than the security of the American people. And President Obama, again, looking very uneasy throughout all of this. Okay, first of all, we know he skips intelligence briefings, right? We actually know he does this. He's admitted this in the past. He said that he only meets with his full intelligence team once every few weeks. So the idea that he's really on top of this stuff is a lie. Also, this is him relying on his drone war. The one thing Obama has done right is that he has used drones to kill terrorists. Unfortunately, he's used that in lieu of American troops. So what he's basically said is, we'll pull all the troops out of Iraq, we'll pull all the troops out of Afghanistan, and then we'll just fight a drone war. That's not going to work, obviously. But again, Obama's in full-scale defense mode. And then finally, President Obama says, here's, here's what he wants you to know. You're safe. Don't worry. He's got all this handled. Don't worry that 14 people just got slaughtered in San Bernardino by a couple of ISIS-affiliated terrorists. He's got this, guys. He's got your back. Don't worry. Clip three. Well, here's what I want you to know. The threat from terrorism is real, but we will overcome it. We will destroy ISIL and any other organization that tries to harm us. Our success won't depend on tough talk or abandoning our values or giving in to fear. That's what groups like ISIL are hoping for. And this is Instead, a we will prevail by being strong oh, and go. smart, resilient and relentless, and by drawing upon every aspect of American power. So this is where President Obama takes out his thesaurus and just starts reading adjectives, right? Where the way that we're actually going to win is not with military force. We're going to do it by reading adjectives from the thesaurus. That's how we're going to do this. He says that we're going to win by being smart and strong and resilient and relentless and beautiful and magnificent, like a silky pony flying in the wind. Right? That's, how, that's how we're going to win all of this. He says the threat is, is real, and we'll destroy them, 
but it won't be because of tough talk. Now, what's amazing is that he then follows that up with two sentences of tough talk, right? We're not going to win because of tough talk, but also we're going to win because of tough talk. And then he says, we're not going to win by abandoning our values. I don't know whose idea it was to abandon our values, but later he'll explain what he means by abandoning our values is believing that radical Islam is a threat. If you believe radical Islam is a threat, then you're the problem, right? You're part of the problem. Or if you believe that radical Islam is a larger than a, larger than a very small portion of Islam generally, then you're part of the problem. You're abandoning our values. No, we're going to prevail by being smart and resilient and relentless and fierce. Fierce. And th this is President Obama's take. He got down to a, a few specifics here. And the problem is once he got past the thesaurus section, he got down to specifics, there's really nothing there. Hillary Clinton infamously had John Podesta, her, her campaign manager, tweet out. She, she did a couple weeks ago a speech about how to defeat ISIS. This is after Paris. And he tweeted out Hillary Clinton's strategy for defeating ISIS. And it was three points. And the first point was defeat ISIS. And that's pretty much President Obama's plan here. Don't worry, we're going to defeat ISIS. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do it by defeating ISIS. It's so funny. People make fun of Donald Trump for being platitudinous. This is, this is true, truly platitudinous. Here's President Obama's plan. So President Obama says that he has, he breaks it down into, into three basic points, right? As, as any decent rhetorician would, he breaks it down into three points. He, he says, first, our military would continue to hunt down terrorist plotters in any country where it's necessary. Now, what's amazing, of course, is that he removed troops that allow us to do this. So we won't be hunting down terrorist plotters in Iraq, for example, except for the 50 to 200 operatives he's put back in there. We won't really be, be doing it in Libya, where we've pretty much abandoned the fight. We're not going to allow Israel to do it in the Palestinian areas. We're not going to do it in a lot of places, but don't worry. We're going to hunt down terrorist plotters in all these countries. It won't be us, though. We'll, we'll have boots on the ground from other people doing it. Then President Obama said that we are going to provide training and equipment to tens of thousands of Iraqi and Syrian forces. He sort of neglects to mention that the, the tens of thousands of Iraqi and Syrian forces fighting ISIL don't exist. And the fact is that, that ISIS, when they went into Iraq, defeated an army 10 times to, to 20 times their size because those people cut and ran. The, the forces, as I mentioned last week, I went through the, the various players in the Middle East don't have much of an interest in getting rid of ISIS. In fact, they sort of have an interest in keeping ISIS there. ISIS is sort of good for Iran because it makes Iran look like a good guy. ISIS is good for Syrian dictator Bashar Assad because it makes him look like the good guy, right? Who are you going to choose, Bashar Assad or ISIS? Like two years ago, we were talking about deposing Assad. That talk has gone completely away because of ISIS. So Obama says, we'll use boots on the ground. We won't use American boots on the ground. We'll use magical phantom boots on the ground that don't really exist because Vladimir Putin and Bashar Assad have been bombing the free Syrian army out of existence. So there, there really are no boots on the ground. This is the, the great unspoken truth here, is that every time Obama and company, they say they want boots on the ground, what they really mean is there are no boots on the ground. We're going to bomb from the air. Now, I read an analysis over the weekend by somebody who's on the ground saying that ISIS wants American troops there because they want to kill American troops. I'm sure that there's some truth to that. Terrorist groups want to kill American troops. What they don't want is enough American troops there to actually destroy them. Right? That's what they don't want. Al-Qaeda wanted the United States in Iraq, but they wanted us there with a moderate troop level. They didn't want us there with surge levels of American troops because then we wiped them off the face of the earth. We made them relevant. Just because ISIS wants something doesn't mean they know what they're going to get. There are a lot of people who think they want to get into a fist fight, and then when they realize that you've had boxing lessons, then things radically change. And that's sort of the story with ISIS. Finally, President Obama says that we're working with friends and allies to stop ISIL's operation, and uh, he says that we're cooperating with Muslim-majority countries and with Muslim communities here at home to counter the vicious ideology ISIS promotes online. First of all, if he actually thinks 
that Saudi Arabia is combating the vicious ideology of ISIS with their skillful Facebook pages. No. Okay, in most of these countries, the internet is not even a thing. And the people who, who are actually internet savvy tend to be the terrorists. Iran is happy promoting ISIS. Not ISIS propaganda, but very ISIS-similar sort of stuff, right? The West is terrible, Israel is terrible, join us. Whether it's Shia or whether it's Sunni, not a lot of Muslim countries out there pushing the quote-unquote moderate Muslim message to lots of people. They may push an anti-ISIS message, but there is a difference, folks, between anti-ISIS and moderate Muslim. There's a very big difference, right? Iran is anti-ISIS. They are certainly not moderate in any way, shape, or form. So this idea that, that you can just defeat ISIS by activating our Muslim allies, our grand Muslim allies, name a Muslim country that really promotes quote-unquote moderate Islam, you know, democracy-loving Islam. Not even our, our closest allies like Jordan are in favor of that because it's a monarchy, right? They're not in favor of, of women's rights and women's equality. They're not in favor of the vote, obviously, because Jordan is run by a monarchy. So this idea that there are all these regimes out there we're working with to combat ISIL's ideology, ISIS's ideology, it's just, it's not factually true. It's not factually true. So President Obama concludes that was his strategy, his grand strategy for combating ISIS. And, and don't fear, just because it hasn't worked in the past doesn't mean it won't work now. I mean, I, I guess if you just keep beating your head against this stone wall, things will magically change. Clip seven, please. This is our strategy to destroy ISIL. It is designed and supported by our military commanders and counterterrorism experts, together with 65 countries that have joined an American-led coalition. And we constantly examine our strategy to determine when additional steps are needed to get the job done. That's why I've ordered the Departments of State and Homeland Security to review the visa waiver program under which the female terrorist in San Bernardino originally came to this country. And that's why I will urge high-tech and law enforcement leaders to make it harder for terrorists to use technology to escape from justice. Wow, so we're going to hack them now. So he says that it, what's amazing is the president who wants to bring in tens of thousands of more Syrian Muslim refugees we can't vet. That guy says, don't worry, I'm working with state and homeland security to ensure that you're all safe. Okay, a couple of facts about state and homeland security and screening. First of all, Obama doesn't even get his fact check right here. I mean, he actually gets it wrong. The lady didn't get in on a visa waiver program. She got in a K-1 fiancé visa. When she got in, she wrote down her former address in Pakistan, as he likes to say. And her former address in Pakistan, only one problem. It doesn't exist. Okay, she wrote down a fake address. But our visa program is so skillful. Our government is so good at vetting these people that just a few tweaks here and there should basically fix this and we should be able to put in 25,000 more Syrian Muslim refugees into the country. No problem at all. It'll all work out just spectacularly. By the way, he did have a fourth point, actually. He said that uh, in his ISIS plan, he says that he wants, a, uh, he wants the international community to pursue a ceasefire in Syria, which, of course, is never going to happen because Bashar Assad is backed by Vladimir Putin. When, when Obama says that, that he is going to now instruct state and homeland security to fix everything, it, it is truly amazing that he thinks that we believe this. Does anyone feel more secure listening to this, by the way? I mean, we've got people in the room. Anybody feel more secure listening to this? Who feels more secure listening to this? Who feels like, okay, he broke into our Saturday, our Sunday night football to tell us we're all safe, and now I'm ready to go out shopping. Now, last night was first night of Hanukkah, and I turned to my wife, and we thought to ourselves, you know, there's a big Hanukkah party that was happening, and we were thinking of going to, to one of these parties with my baby out in public, and my wife and I looked at each other, and we actually had a serious conversation. Do we go out into a public area right now? And hang out in public because we don't feel safe, especially as Jews, we don't feel safe. And I wear my yarmulke on TV. I wear my yarmulke everywhere. 
But one of the things I've taken to doing more and more often is wearing a baseball cap over my yarmulke because I don't feel safe in the way that I used to in the United States. Not when President Obama is incapable of defending us and not when he did what he did last night, which is him moving on to part two. So part one, remember, was don't worry, guys, I've got this handled. Part two was I don't really have this handled. And really, this is kind of your fault, America. You guys suck. Right. I mean, I've been doing a great job, but you, you people, you're terrible. And, and the you people who are terrible are really the folks at the Republicans in Congress, naturally, 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 the folks in Congress are terrible. And you, the American people, are terrible. So one of the memes that was pushed out by folks on the left last week was this meme that President Obama was pushing and the New York Times was pushing, which is that Republicans want terrorists to have guns. They're so addicted to guns that they want terrorists to have guns. Right? This is what President Obama says. Uh, and he says that, you know, the Republicans need to vote to, to take guns away from anyone on the no-fly list or on the terror watch list. This is part of his plan. There's only one problem with that. We still have due process of law in this country, and you can't just take people's rights away from them without any basis in evidence. It's amazing that President Obama is suggesting that, especially after saying that Republicans are the ones who want to violate civil liberties, but President Obama wants to do that. Then he got to his real point last night, and this was gun control. Clip nine, please. We also need to make it harder for people to buy powerful assault weapons, like the ones that were used in San Bernardino. I know there are some who reject any gun safety measures, but the fact is that our intelligence and law enforcement agencies, no matter how effective they are, cannot identify every would-be mass shooter, whether that individual is motivated by ISIL or some other hateful ideology. What we can do, and must do, is make it harder for them to kill. Okay, this is totally asinine. And what he's saying right here is totally asinine. So, in other words, we can't track... He actually says in this quote, we can't track down every would-be terrorist, but we can track down all 300 million guns in America. Right? All 300 million guns and 100 million gun owners. We can track all of them down. That'll be easier. Yeah, definitely. We now found out, by the way, the San Bernardino shooters, not only, they had four guns. Two of them were bought legally. Two of them they borrowed from a guy who lived next door, basically who has checked himself, apparently, according to the Associated Press, into a mental institution to avoid talking to the police. So President Obama, again, he has not suggested a single gun law that would prevent all of this, but taking my gun away from me makes me feel secure. Yeah, that's, that's going to make me feel more safe. So you can't stop these people from coming into the country. We now have a photo, a photo of this couple coming into the country in 2014, looking for all the world like very, very religious Muslims, okay, coming directly from Pakistan for her and Saudi Arabia for him. No problems there, but take my gun away from me, right? My gun is the real threat to the whole situation. I mean, remember, a couple of things. One, last time terrorists tried an attack in, in America, uh, they tried it in, in Garland, Texas, and they tried to shoot up, if you recall, a Draw Muhammad Day festival. There's only one problem. It was in Texas. So they actually had security there, number one. And number two, everybody in the place had a gun. So things were a little bit different than San Bernardino, California. But I know at least a half dozen friends I talked to over the weekend in California who would probably consider carrying illegally at this point, just because you can't get a concealed carry permit in the state of California, and they would rather be tried by 12 than carried by 6. And I can't blame them for that. I really can't. So President Obama says it's all about the gun control. The agenda uber alice, it's the, the agenda above all. That's all that matters in the world for President Obama is the agenda, the agenda, and more of the agenda. And then President Obama gets to the final piece of his agenda. As I said, there was the gun control portion. That was part two. And part three was you're all a bunch of Islamophobic boobs. And the reason ISIS hates us is because you're so mean to Muslims. Now, this is a far cry. Today actually marks the 71st anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. And FDR spoke on the day of the attack on Pearl Harbor. And FDR said, we all know what basically what kind of weasels did this. 
And then he proceeded to spend four years putting out anti-Japanese propaganda, anti-Japanese Imperial Army propaganda, anti-Nazi propaganda. President Obama does the opposite. President Obama, he talked about ISIS a little bit. He talked about Islam a little bit. And there are two clips that are worth playing here. Clip 14 is where he talks about what he wants to do about radical, what, he, what we need to do about radical Islam. We, we, can't, we can't turn this into a war between America and Islam is what he says. Here's what else we cannot do. We cannot turn against one another by letting this fight be defined as a war between America and Islam. That, too, is what groups like ISIL want. ISIL does not speak for Islam. They are thugs and killers, part of a cult of death. And they account for a tiny fraction of a more than a billion Muslims around the world including millions of patriotic Muslim Americans who reject their hateful ideology. Moreover, the vast majority of terrorist victims around the world are Muslim. If we're to succeed in defeating terrorism, we must enlist Muslim communities as some of our strongest allies, rather than push them away through suspicion and hate. Okay, I don't know who's pushing Muslims away through suspicion and hate. Do you know anybody who's going down to the local mosque and swastika-ing it? Does anybody know of anybody who's going down to the local Muslim and beating him up? I, I haven't seen this. I mean, and the, the FBI crime statistics don't show that there has been in the last five years a major upsurge in anti-Muslim violence across the United States due to the rise of ISIS. But there, there is this bizarre idea, and I, and I have to just call it out here. When President Obama says that there are sort of moderate Muslims who are on the edge, and if we're mean to Muslims, they're magically going to join ISIS, says who? Okay, the San Bernardino shooter was living in America from the time of his birth. He lived a very privileged life. He was working for the state. He was working for the state of California. He went to college on the taxpayer dime. Right? The idea that this is somebody who was vastly discriminated against, he was alienated, and therefore he went and killed. You know, this is President Obama's leftist ideology speaking. It's not reality speaking. Because the fact is, the reason people buy into this ideology has nothing to do with the West treating Muslims badly. The West overwhelmingly treats Muslims incredibly well. Incredibly well. That's why there are millions of Muslims in the United States excuse me, and millions of Muslims in France and millions of Muslims in London. Okay, and President Obama, the great imam over here, explaining to us the nature of Islam. So let me get this straight. According to President Obama, Caitlyn Jenner is a woman because Caitlyn Jenner says he is a woman. But these people who say they're Muslim, they're not actually Muslim. And he can be the judge of that because he is an expert on the nature of Islam. The, the, the idiocy of this is really beyond compare. Nobody is saying that all Muslims are bad. But to not recognize that there may be a flaw within the practice of Islam. And I don't care what's in people's head. I care what they do. There may be a flaw within the practice of Islam you know, that, that, is, that is leading hundreds of millions of Muslims to believe bad things and certainly millions of Muslims to pursue doing bad things. That's, that's ridiculous and ignorance of the president, but it's not even ignorant. It's, it's malicious because the idea here is that Muslims aren't the real problem. It's Americans who are the real problem. Now, Obama did talk about Muslims around the world having to condemn this strain within Islam, but what's he actually going to do to make that a reality? He unleashed his attorney general this week saying that she would prosecute people who said things that were too anti-Islam. What is he doing to actually go after the Muslims who refuse to, for example, condemn terrorism? What is he doing to monitor them? The answer is nothing. His attorney general also said this week that, you know, the whole see something, say something, that doesn't apply to the folks over in, in, at the Irving Police Department in Texas. The attorney general's office is now looking to the possibility of investigating the Irving Police Department for, for calling in Clock Boy, right? The kid who walked in, Muslim kid, walks into school with a thing that looks exactly like a bomb. 
So, you know, don't, don't buy into the, There's a lot of talk even on the right today. Oh, President Obama finally acknowledging the threat of radical Islam. No, because there are actual consequences for Americans who do the things he doesn't want them to do. But there are no consequences for the global Muslim community that refuses to condemn ISIS, refuses to fight the ideology of Iran, refuses to fight the ideology of the Palestinian Authority. There are no consequences for any of that. We're still signing checks for it. So don't buy that for a second. So there's President Obama's speech in a nutshell. Okay, now finally, stuff I hate. Uh, first, a, a brief thing I always, I always like to say here, something that I like just to prove that I don't hate everything that's possible to hate in the world. Uh, there, there's a, a great essay that I was rereading over the weekend that really is quite lovely and, and beautiful. It's, it's from um, Mark Twain. Uh, he, did a, he did a series of essays in, in which he talks from the perspective of Adam and the perspective of Eve in the Garden of Eden. Have you guys ever read this? It's actually, it's, it's quite wonderful, and, and it's, it's totally worth picking up. You can pick it up on Amazon.com. You can also see it for free online. It's really great. It's the Diaries of Adam and Eve, so you should check that out. Okay, stuff that I hate. Okay, so that's always 30 seconds of stuff I, like, I hate followed by, <laughs> stuff I like followed by several minutes of things that I hate. Okay, there's the Christmas edition of stuff that I hate. Macy Gray. You guys know who Macy Gray is? I'll admit to you, I didn't know who Macy Gray was because I listen to real music. Macy Gray <laughs> is apparently a singer, although... She sounds to me more like somebody who got stuck in a trash compactor. It's, it's sort of like the screams that emanate at the beginning of the Star Wars film. You know, when they're stuck in the trash compactor and they're screaming to see 3PO to save them. That's what Macy Gray sounds like. So Macy Gray has now cut a new video. And it's called All I Want for Christmas. And you'll see. Here is what Macy Gray wants for Christmas, folks. All I want for Christmas is a whole bunch of stuff But anything that you can buy me won't be enough Cause everything I'm hoping for is intangible Like free healthcare and gun control If you wanna make the world a better place Say alright, alright, alright If you want a peaceful world for Christmas Day Say alright, 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 alright. Christmas this year. I know what I want this year. I know what I want this year. Presents and toys. I'm fine. I've got bigger things in mind than presents and toys, folks. What do they have in mind? Okay, so free healthcare, legalized marijuana. This is what you want. And the kids are singing along to this, right? The kids are like, yeah, legalized pot, woo! Yeah, those kids. Those are going to be future brain surgeons right there. Uh, and, and there's Macy Gray, who sounds, again, like a, like a, a person or, a, at this point, a cat tossed, tossed in a trash compactor. It's like Bob Dylan crossed with a mountain lion. 
and uh, and, and she's caterwauling about what she wants. What I love is where she says that what she wants is something intangible, like free health care. That's not intangible. You have to pay for it, right? I mean, that's not intangible. She wants gun control. That's not really, I mean, when the guy comes to your house and takes the gun, that's not really intangible either. Um, but th this is what, the, the mentality that the gun is, that, that the government is God, is rife throughout this, right? What she wants for Christmas, Christmas, last I checked, and, you know, I'm just, I'm just your typical humble Jew, right? Last I checked, Christmas has something to do with the Jesus, right? It has something to do with the birth of Christ, correct? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, folks, right? It has something to do with the birth of Christ. And it has to do with God, I thought. I thought that that, that was, like, all tied in together, right? I mean, I understand I'm Jewish, I'm ignorant on this stuff, but I thought Christmas had something to do with religiosity and God and spirituality and the birth of Christ and the saving of humanity and all of this, right? I mean, but for the left, Christmas is just another opportunity to pray to their actual God, government, to their idol, right? Christmas, what, what do you want Santa to bring you? Santa is Barack Obama. And Santa's going to come to the ghetto and bring you legalized marijuana. Isn't that exciting? Santa's going to come and he's going to bring you gun control and health care. It's going to be awesome. Right? This, is, this is what they want for Christmas. What they want for Christmas is a transformation of America away from a religious nation that actually cares about things like Christmas. What you really should have sung here is, what I want for Christmas is for Christmas not to exist. Right? I want the government to give me everything and Christmas won't exist because you don't need God. You don't need Santa for any of these things. All you need is the power of, of a dictator to give you all of these things because they're not for free. Things have to be taken away from others to make these things happen. And as somebody, listen, I'm not against the legalization of marijuana because I think the government sucks at everything. People who smoke pot annoy the living hell out of me. And if you smoke pot, I want to smack you in the head. I mean, you smell terrible and you annoy everyone around you and you're a loser. But aside from that, I'm, you, lots of people do that kind of stuff every day. And I don't think that it's illegal to be a smelly loser. If it were, Democrats would have to leave the country. But when, when, when this is the sort of entertainment that's being produced, and, and it's produced for kids, right? This is an, for folks who can't see this, this was an animated video with kids singing in it. And it's oh so cutesy. It's oh so cutesy. And this is how the left does its business. They hijack stuff that everybody likes, like Christmas. Even as a Jew, I like the Christmas lights. Everybody, and all the Christmas music, which, by the way, we wrote. Say thank you, right? I mean, we wrote all the Christmas music and gave you Jesus, so you can thank us now. But the, but the fact is that when you have folks on the left who hijack conservative ideas, religious ideas like Christmas, and use them for the left, this is how they get their stuff done. They can't do it just by preaching. By the way, we want to legalize pot, and we want to steal money so that we can grab health care from you. No, it's, it's something else entirely. We're just going to hijack your, your most treasured images. By the way, this is nothing new, actually. There's a, I, this is, I didn't even put this in the things that I hate, but Miley Cyrus is going to be singing Silent Night for the, for, the, um, for the Christmas event. There's some Christmas special they're doing on the networks. So what you need is a blasphemous pansexual who's constantly nude wearing a dildo singing Silent Night. There's nothing the networks love better than that. So... If you think that the left, there's a poll out today, what percentage of Republicans would be upset if their, if their kid married a Democrat? It said only 49% of Republicans would be upset. That's up from 5% in 1960. That's because the Democrats of 1960 are not the Democrats of 2015. Here's what I want to know. Who are these other 51% of Republicans, and how can we convince them that they are being incredibly stupid? You don't want your kid to marry the kinds of people that Macy Gray is appealing to here. I'm Ben Shapiro, and this is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 